Hello, homeschool mamas. Welcome to the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Show. I'm Teresa Wiedrich at CapturingTheCharmLife.com, here to help you turn your homeschool challenges into your homeschool charms, especially if you're looking for a strategy or a few to tackle those challenges. Today, I want to introduce you to Sarah. Sarah is a single parent of six from infancy to teenager, including two special needs children. She and her princesses live in Waterloo, Ontario, Canada, where they enjoy homeschooling, playing and growing together as a family. She works from home as a web designer, marketing strategist and virtual assistant. Welcome, Sarah. So Sarah, I'm so glad you're here. You have a very interesting story that I think a lot of people would love to hear about and learn from you, and they might not always hear this kind of a story. No, it's it, it's not talked about a lot. I don't think it's talked about enough. I think that uh, some of what we'll be talking about just gets hidden because there's lots of feelings of, of shame and, um, you know, just wanting to hide it, and, and it can be painful. And a lot of people just don't want to talk about painful stuff. Will you tell us a little bit about your homeschool family, your homeschool journey? Sure. So we'll start with that. Um, I'm a single parent of six. And uh, I got started homeschooling with my oldest. Um, So I was a young mom. I was only 20 when she was born. And I was a single parent right from the start. So she had a late birthday. And so she was about three and a half and we were supposed to start kindergarten because of when her birthday fell. She was so tiny. And I just was like, I can't, I can't send my little tiny tyke to kindergarten. I just, I couldn't. So I kept really her young. home and I'm like, we'll just redshirt her and we'll send her the next year. Except that right around her fourth birthday, she showed me that she could read. And I'm like, okay, well, that's a little interesting. And I was an early reader and uh, I was reading in kindergarten and it wasn't, really taken well so I was like I'll just keep her home another year and you know we'll catch up on the other skills and then we'll go into first grade and she'll be fine Uh, I got married pretty much that same year and had a baby and uh, so we were and we had moved so I was like okay there's a lot of stuff going on we'll just stay home another year then I had another baby and then I had another baby and after five years she was in fourth grade And I had four babies. I had four children, five and under. Mm -hmm. And I just could not understand why people were telling me, well, you should put your oldest in school. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm like, this doesn't make logistical sense. I'm not packing up four babies in snowsuits twice a day to take that one child on and off a bus. Like that doesn't make my life any easier. So I'm, I'm a lazy homeschooler because I just, I can't be bothered to get up that early in the morning to spend 45 minutes putting everybody in snowsuits for a five minute walk to the bus stop and back yeah. twice a day. That just didn't make any sense to me. So, and honestly, it just got easier to be home with them and we were doing stuff and they were learning and it was just too much work to ever put them in school. And then when my marriage fell apart and my life, our life quit entirely, went upside down, um, homeschooling was our normal. It was our stability. It was the one thing that kept us in our regular routine, kept the kids 
emotionally stable, kept me emotionally stable. And it really became the anchor that wasn't changing, even though everything else was. You were telling me that the name of your blog is Raising Royalty. And you were telling me the reason why after I commented that your, your photo is so beautiful, you with your little girls trying to grab at a unicorn. Will you tell me where the, the title yeah, came um, from? So that picture is one of my favorite pictures. It was taken a couple of years ago. Um, we did an outside photo shoot. And I have this thing with my girls that I always wanted them dressed up in matching colors with bare feet. And I love the fantasy theme. So the photographer we were working with was great, added in the fantasy elements. Um, so that's one of my favorite pictures. I feel like because I have six girls, I don't have any boys, I have daughters. And I gave each one of my daughters a special, unique princess name. Um, they're very, very unique. Uh, we all have, they all have chosen nicknames that are their, their use names that they get called every day, but they have these princess names. And I did that on purpose because I wanted to remind myself every time I looked at them, every time I, I used their name, that this was someone who was special, that this is someone that deserves the respect due royalty because they're special, they're important, they need to be respected, they need to be honored. And I started right from the beginning with this idea in mind that children, yes, they're small and they're, they're immature and they don't make great choices and, and part of parenting is about teaching them and guiding them. But I wanted to remind myself that um, they still deserve that respect. And so, you know, my blog is titled Raising Royalty because that's my parenting philosophy is uh, my children are princesses and I want them to grow up with the understanding that they deserve the respect and not to put up with anything less than royal treatment. And coming with that, they have the responsibilities and the duties of royalty to everyone else. They are here to serve. So you are really sharing or showing them how to inherently treat themselves well, to take mm -hmm. care of themselves. Yep. And then to take care of, of each other and to take care of those that, that are around them. What compelled you to focus towards that, that approach or that, uh, yeah, that approach? Well, some of it has to do with, I guess some of my childhood issues, I mean, none of us come out of childhood completely intact, right? And I'm sure I'm messing up with, with my girls, but I grew up largely on my own. My parents were very busy. Um, and after about age 10, I don't remember seeing them a whole lot. I remember seeing them in passing and there was food available, but I don't remember spending a lot of time with them. Um, and especially during my teen years, there was a couple of combination of things. There was, uh, you know, their, their very, very busy lives. And um, the fact that I have a fairly serious allergy to hay, of all things. And I grew up in the country surrounded by hay fields. So there were, there were weeks where I literally could not leave the house because mm -hmm. I would have very, very bad allergic reactions. So combined with the two, I did not see my parents a whole lot. So um, I grew up feeling, sometimes feeling a little bit abandoned. Mm -hmm. 
And I wanted my girls to, to recognize that independence does not mean that they're alone. Right. And being raised as royalty um, means that, again, you have that value, that in- inherent value, but you also have this duty, right? You have a responsibility to everybody else, to, to each other. Right, because princesses aren't just people in ivory towers hidden hidden behind, you know, dragons. Right, they're the working princesses are the people who are out there making a difference. This is a beautiful word picture to family. I think it's a book <laughs> intent. <laughs> Eventually, right? Eventually, <laughs> yeah. it's a beautiful word picture. How do you put into practice, like a, in a practical way, how do you manifest that? I heard the choosing princess names, which really is inspiring. Yep. Yeah. So it started right from there. So that every time we're calling their names, every time I call their name, I'm speaking their value, right? Because every name was chosen with that reminder that they are a princess, but there's also a, a very special meaning behind each, each name was chosen with meanings behind the, the name. So every time I call their name, I'm speaking that meaning, that purpose behind their name. And I'm speaking that over them every single time. I have, I'm a huge believer in the power of words. Um, so my parenting philosophy really comes down to the four words. And you'll see this all over my blog. Um, teach, train, coach, and empower. The first job of parenting is to teach your kids. You have to, you can't, expect them to just know something you have to deliberately teach them and with my second daughter this was brought out even more because she's autistic and it started right from the fact that when we realized that she was not learning to speak learning to to talk the way typical children do she had to be taught each individual word and its meaning deliberately it had to be specific focused teaching and that's carried out with just about every single thing that she's ever learned is it has to be specific focused teaching and so that kind of really changed my mindset on the fact that children need to be taught you can't just get them in trouble for something they didn't know Mm -hmm. you have to start with teaching but then after they've learned the concept after they've learned your expectation you have to train them to make it a habit you have to form those habits with them so you give them the expectation, but you give grace with that expectation because they're still training, right? They can't do it perfectly. They're still in training. And as they get older, we start, I start coaching, right? The expectations get a little bit higher, but now it's about encouragement. It's about motivation. It's about recognizing efforts, but it's also about recognizing where they could do better and, and having that constant balance. And finally, you have to allow them to make their own choices. It's about empowering them to take that responsibility for themselves, for their actions. And I mean, all four phases happen all at once. Mm -hmm. Like one of my favorite um, things when I'm talking to my kids, whenever they have gotten into trouble, because I mean, they're they're children, right? They make mistakes, is make better choices, right? You have that choice you can make a better choice. We talk about what choices they have and, and which one would have been the better choice. We talk about, um, you know, what they'll do next time that situation comes up. But I'm always talking about you can make choices and you know, empowering I've, them that they make choices. 
I've learned everything that I have been able to genuinely impart to my kids. I really think that most of what we teach is actually caught, not taught, which I don't really like, if I'm honest. I would prefer to have the list and then just share it, but that's not really how things roll. And everything, though, that I'm able to impart genuinely to my kids that I know in a deep way and that I'm able to put into words like you are putting into words, which is beautiful and is like, really, it deserves a book. Um, I think those things are things I've learned for myself. And that's the reason is that all of those things I've learned to speak to myself in truth. So how did that process come about that you were able to, I'm, you know, were you able to put those things into your own soul? Honestly, it started, it started a long time ago. Remember, I did a lot of stuff by myself, for myself. I mean, right from early on, um, you know, I was 14 and uh, I had to make choices about high school, about subjects. My, my parents weren't interested in, and I was a really good student for one. I mean, they had no concerns about my education Um, and they were focused on other things so a lot of the decisions about what I was going to study what I was going to do with my time right from early on I decided and so I recognized that I I was the one who was making these choices and the only person who's going to be impacted by them was me so if I didn't like the results of the choice I didn't have anybody to blame but myself Mm -hmm. because I was the one who chose that in the first place um And then when I fell pregnant with my daughter, um, my oldest, it was a choice to engage in those behaviors. And it was, you know, I mean, yes, I was 19 and I was immature and I didn't recognize all of the consequences, but I still chose to continue that pregnancy. I had the option, right? And I chose to have that baby. I chose to change my life. I mean, I was, I had a full scholarship to university. I had, um, other bursaries to cover my costs. Um, Mm. I had a promising, you know, future career, but I chose to change my life to have a baby. Mm -hmm. And that was completely my choice. And it really showed me the power of making choices Mm -hmm. and growing up while raising a child and growing up and, and, you know, recognizing other people's choice. Like the next step for me was recognizing how I couldn't take responsibility for other people's choices because other people's choices had an impact on me as well, but that wasn't my fault. And, and determining where that fine line was, that was a, a, a little bit longer journey, but recognizing what was my choice really started early. So do you mean like boundaries? Learning to set set boundaries. Yeah. But not just learning to set boundaries, but learning where to feel guilt and where not to feel guilt. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I'm a victim of domestic violence. I'm a survivor of domestic domestic violence and recognizing that what he did to me was his choice. Mm -hmm. I didn't do anything to cause that. That was not my fault. That moment of clarity didn't happen until um, after two, like almost two years worth Mm -hmm. of putting up with, of dealing with it, of, I was always making excuses. I was always wondering what I had done 
to, to provoke it. I was always blaming myself. And when it, when it recognized, when it, it dawned on me that that was his choice, that there was no excuse for using violence to try to communicate. Like it wasn't communication. It was about power. It was about control. And that's not a relationship. And recognizing that that was his choice and that was not my choice. That was, that was life changing for me. That was um, a moment of, of, um, just absolute clarity and it changed a lot of things for me changed a lot of things emotionally for me um changed i mean it, it's probably what led to the end of my marriage even though i attempted for another three or three to four years almost afterwards but um it, so it did made, change things. you made your choice you recognized that other people had different choices and eventually mm-hmm. came to understand that you're choosing that or you're not choosing whether or not he gets to do certain things. And so then you decided that was enough. Yep. And I mean, it's funny. You would think that I would have decided when it was enough for me, but it wasn't. No. If it would, I've always said that if it was just me, I probably would have stayed longer if it was just me, but I had children and I recognized that they weren't in a position where they could make choices yet about some of those things and I had to make those choices for them and the choices I was making were not in their best interest and so I had to make different choices for their best interest not necessarily based on what I wanted so you were talking about your second your second um, of four points that you were making a choice for yourself and recognizing that other people make their own choices and that you don't have to have you don't have to take on a sense of shame or guilt no. based on what other people's choices were. So this is, you, you were starting about, um, you know, I'd asked you about how you had learned those four points in your own life. Yeah. So the third aspect of coaching, how, how would you say that you self-coach? Yeah, a lot of times I do. Um, some of that is, this comes, I guess, one of the, the moments here was um, when I was looking for resources to help my daughter with autism, uh, I came across a blogger um, who has a daughter who's very similar, close in age to mine, has a very similar difficulty or, or challenges in, in her life, and uh, she, she said a phrase that has just stuck with me forever, and her phrase was, now is not forever, and forever is a load of crap. and it's so true like she's talking about specifically with special needs right what you see right now the picture of the assessment the report the you know picture of where they are developmentally or where they are in their their speech and language or where they are in their behavior it's just a snapshot of the moment right now and it doesn't mean that that's the way it's always going to be Uh and it doesn't give you a picture of what it's going to be like 10 years from now Mm-hmm. Now is not forever. Kids can learn, kids can grow, kids can change, and you don't know what that's going to look like. Mm-hmm. And it's not your job to limit what it can look like. It's your job to teach them where they are right now so that they can grow and learn and follow their, follow their path. You know, push gently where they, they can handle it and continually have hope that things can get better. But it's more than just 
with a special needs child's development. It's more than that. It's with a lo- everything, right? Where I am in my business is where I am right now. But that doesn't mean that right now is going to be the same six months from now. It doesn't mean that that's going to be the same two years from now. Life changes. Now is not forever. Maya Angelou has a quote that says that we do the best we can until we know better, I think, if I'm quoting her right. And so whatever choice we make right now is one that reflects what we're able to do right now. But we are on a growth uh, you know, I think the whole point of life actually is about growth. Um, some days, genuinely, you're not growing, not. you're dying. Yeah, <laughs> I wish like, it was. It's, it's it's the truth, though. If you're not growing, you're dying. So it's your choice. You get to choose what you're going to do with the time right now. And if now is not forever, and things are going to change, then what you do right now determines how things change. Mm-hmm. So if you want something to be different in the future, then you're the one who has to make the change now. So then that starts getting into that empowerment phase. Well, if it's my choice and now is not going to be the way it's going to be forever, what can I do right now mm-hmm. that will get me closer to what I want in the future? However long it takes. But what can I do right now that will move me one step further? One, like just one tiny little thing that I can do right now that moves me one step further. If that means I go in the shower for 20 minutes and cry because that makes me feel better, mm-hmm. that's fine. Right? Because that moves me one step further to towards emotionally healthy growth. Right? Yeah, there's something wild actually about accepting our emotions wherever they're at. And we allow ourselves to feel the feelings. Yep. Feels like it dissipates. It's like a big old sky above us, our emotions. And those clouds pass rather quickly or eventually. And there could be a full range. There could be a storm. There could be a beautiful sunny day. But the clouds keep passing. Those feelings keep passing. But somehow feeling the feelings, allowing ourselves really to sit with them how, and understand them and explore them really does help dissipate the feelings or the intensity. That's, I mean, I have struggled over the years with depression. I mean, given some of the things that I've gone through, it wasn't a surprise. Given the, the you know, six years worth of hormone changes that went sky high and then down again over and over again, it was an emotional roller coaster. It's a, a hormonal roller coaster. And so, you know, it was no wonder that some of my brain chemistry got a little crazy. Um, but I learned to recognize that if in the moment I was feeling like I just needed to curl up with a blanket and a good book because I needed to escape, that was okay. I didn't, I shouldn't be fighting against that because it's the same thing. I mean, let me go back a second. I have a friend of mine who has had chronic depression over the years And something one of her therapists told her that she passed on to me really stuck with me that depression is as much a physical illness as it is a mental health issue. And if you have a fever and if you have a cold and your body is telling you, you need to sleep for 16 hours a day, you're not going to try to push through a marathon. Like it doesn't make any sense. If you were in the hospital with pneumonia and you were on oxygen, when you get released from the hospital, you're not going to try to bike you know, to the mall. Like that's, that doesn't make sense. So why should it make any difference when you are, are having a mental health break? Mm-hmm. If you are suffering with depressional feelings, then maybe you, that's a sign that your body is saying and your brain is saying, hold on a second, I need a little bit of time to recover. And so 
when I start feeling those needs, when I start feeling those, that desire, I, I try as much as I can because sometimes life can't be put on pause right that second. But I usually clear my schedule as quickly as I can so that I can sit with that. I can take that mental health break. I can go to bed with the cold, right, as much as possible. And it passes. And it passes quickly. You know, I don't think we would be sick as long with the flu if we actually learned to stay in bed for three days. We might not have two weeks worth of flu symptoms. Dr. Daniel Amen is the author of a book called Change Your Brain, Change Your Life. And I was invited years ago to listen to him in seminar in our city. He, he had three questions that helped me really since that time to reframe every uncomfortable thought that I've had. Sometimes I need a reminder that I should be reframing my thoughts, of course. But the first one is, is what you're thinking or feeling true? Well, yeah, I would always say, of course, why would I be thinking or feeling it? Well, 100% true, that's the second question. Is it 100% true? Could it possibly be an alternative, um, you know, is there an alternative explanation? Well, yeah, other people might think so, or maybe possibly, but, you know, instinctively, I want to say, no, my feeling is true. But maybe if we were to the third question is reframe that and say, well, if there is a different explanation, then maybe there is also a different path out of that approach or maybe there is a different way of experiencing that feeling or that scenario and those three questions they really shifted me to recognizing that just because I have a feeling doesn't mean that feeling is true that maybe I need to practice reframing it that's one of the things that I've done in a mental self-care strategy also letting myself just like you said accept my feelings, sometimes just lay on my yoga mat if I'm feeling frustrated or sad or on my bed and just let the thing pass because it always passes. Are there other self-care strategies that you do that approach those uncomfortable feelings? One of the things that um, I did right, like it was probably right about a year before I got married, I did a seminar on, um, it was called uh, take control of, of, of your thoughts, take control. And it really had the idea that there's a difference between how we, we react and how we respond. Reactions are those instinctive things that come automatically. You don't have control over how you're going to react. That's just how you feel. And how you feel is how you feel, and there's not a whole lot you can do about how you feel. What you do have control over and what you do have a choice about is how you respond. Now, most of us don't separate that. Most of us instinctively say, okay, this is how I'm feeling. This is how I'm going to react. And, and there's, no, there's no second difference between your re- initial reaction and then what you say, what you do, how you act. But what they taught is that what you think, what you intend is what you're going to get. It's what you create in your life. And... So if, if you don't have control over what you react, but you do have control over what you respond, what you need to do is train yourself to realize that your initial reaction doesn't have to be your response to whatever is happening. You have control over your response. So you can take that reaction, you can sit with it, you can choose how you're going to think about it, and then you can choose what your response is. There's always time to make 
the choice about your response. Now I'm fortunate because I have a fairly fast processing speed mentally. So for me, I can make those decisions fairly quickly. And then most people aren't going to notice the difference between a reaction and a response for me. But most people need to actually take the time to think it through. They need to say, they need to learn the phrases of, let me get back to you on that. They need to learn the phrases of, give me a few minutes to think about that. They need to learn the phrases of, I need to walk away for a second. I'll come back to this. You know, Sarah, too, that day, I feel challenged by what you're saying. I always do, because it's hard to compartmentalize the idea that just because you're feeling something doesn't mean it's true and you definitely don't always want to be acting on that feeling what you feel isn't a true or false thing because it's a feeling right it's an instinctive reaction to stimulus right you feel pain when something cuts you that's instinctive you have no control over that it's not a true or false thing what you when you feel anger it's an instinctive reaction to something that's not fair when you feel sad, it's because there's something to feel sad about. What you choose to do with that sadness or that anger or that pain or that happiness is your choice. That's right. You can choose to get all frustrated and upset and, and you know, react harshly, or you can use that anger to fuel you into making a difference. And when we do the anger station. I think as homeschool moms, I'm hoping, we haven't even really talked or used that word homeschool a lot, but I think almost every homeschool mom that hears this is going to see where the connection lies as a homeschool parent. Um, I think we have many opportunities to practice what we are talking about. We definitely do. One of of the reasons why I so value homeschooling is because my kids are with me all the time. And so I have thousands of moments every day where I get to make that choice of am I going to show you know react harshly and just go with my reaction or am I going to choose a response here that is going to impact this child for for better you know I mean they might have done something that has hurt me or upset me um and does that mean that, that I'm going to react and hurt them in return because it's not fair and I'm angry? And, or am I going to make a choice and say, you know, wait a second, this is not okay. That's another one of my very, very common parenting phrases. This is not okay. It's not okay for you to act like that. It's just not okay. And letting them know that I don't like this and letting them, because that's okay. I'm allowed to say, I don't like this. I don't like this behavior. I don't like this result. I don't like, you know, I think you can do better. That's often what I'm telling them is I, you can do better than this. I know you can do better than this. So there's always that empowering. You can do better than this. There's always that coaching. Um, and, and it's about having all of those moments, whether it's in their schoolwork or in their chores or in how they're interacting with their, their siblings, if it's, you know, just choices that they're making thousands of times a day, they always have parental guidance to say, you know, is, you know, and and to have, somebody once told me that that inner voice that you get is often the voice of your most influential parent, right? So if I'm going to be 
their inner voice when they're adults. I want to make sure that the inner voice that I'm training them to have is you can do better. You have a choice. Make good choices. And you're capable of making good choices. And these Those are, are all the practices I want my kids to have. And they're words, they're, they're affirmations that we really have to be able to tell ourselves. Um, it I starts have, here, but what you, come, what you have in here is yeah, what comes out. That's right? right. And I know that this is no magic sauce, but I have been doing this for a long time. MyThoughtCoach.com has mom daily affirmations. I used their form and kind of changed it a bit for a homeschool mom perspective. And every morning I read those affirmations or some aspect of those affirmations to remind myself of what is true. And frankly, it's just like self-coaching, just like you said. Sometimes I literally stand in front of the mirror and tell myself just like a friend, just as I would with a friend that you're okay. You, of course you're frustrated or of course you're sad or of course you're disappointed by something. Now, what would be the best choice? No, I have to tell you that I'm as, I'm as solid. The whole, the whole reason that this aspect of my book came about is because it is a challenge for me. So I've been looking for tools to do this, but it's a practice. And just like you were saying, when you're in the process of giving your kids grace, that giving your kids grace came out of you giving yourself that grace yep. and you putting that. I had to learn to forgive myself for some of the choices that I made. Remember, I, I was talking about being a, a young single mom. I made a choice, but it changed a lot of things. And I had to go back and say, you know what? I made that choice. I had to own that choice. And I had to grieve the fact that I lost some things that I wanted. And it was okay to grieve those. And it was okay to feel disappointed in myself. But to own the fact that I made a choice. And the choice I made, if I go back and I say, would I have made a different choice? Would I have made a different life-changing choice? And I have to go back and say, no, I would not have made that choice. I would have made the same choices and to really own it because that's what part of forgiving myself ended up being. Instead of being mad at myself for messing everything up, I didn't mess anything up. I just made a different choice. Beautiful. And those choices, choices have consequences. Um, I go back to an accounting term. The term is opportunity cost. In business, when you make a choice to carry this particular product at this price, you're making a choice not to carry a different product, right? There's always those choices of what you invest in and what you don't. And then part of the, the accounting cost that we make as business owners is this term of when you choose this, you are not choosing that. So when you didn't choose is that opportunity cost. In life, in homeschooling and parenting, it's the same thing. What you choose to do now, you know, things that are, are life-changing, you're not choosing something else. So if I'm choosing this particular curriculum for my child, it means I'm not choosing that one. It means I can't do all the things. We don't have enough time in our day to do all the things. I have to pick and choose. You have to choose, right? And it helps me narrow my homeschooling. It helps me narrow my curriculum choices. It helps me narrow my parenting choices. It helps me make sure that my kids aren't overscheduled, that we're not doing all the things. We're not getting pressured 
by all the things. You know, it means that if I'm choosing to make spaghetti tonight, I can't have, you know, meatloaf tomorrow because I used the ground beef for this, right? It, it's the simplest things, but it's also the big things. And it really helps narrow down and recognize and make you realize that you're owning your choices and that just because you made this choice and didn't make that choice, that's okay. So There's I was just going to ask you, about. could you maybe give some practical points for homeschool parents at home? But you just did. It's, <laughs> you're, you're making choices, so you decide what your choices are. You may, and, and as long as you recognize, like just learn to recognize that it is a choice. When you realize that all it is is, I mean, we can get overwhelmed because there's over a thousand different curriculum. There's like 10 different ways of homeschooling. There's, you know, hundreds of books that are written out there and it can be overwhelming with the flood of information that's out there. But when you start recognizing that it really is about choosing what's best for you and your family, that if you choose to go with a more unschooling method of homeschooling and you choose not to use curriculum in your homeschooling, so you're making a choice. And so the cost is that you just won't be buying the, the shiny new books and you won't necessarily have the tests and the, the, you know, the workbook proof of learning, but that's okay because you've got a different lifestyle than someone who made the choice to use workbooks and tests. Just because you're not choosing workbooks and tests doesn't mean that your way is any better. And it doesn't mean that your way is any worse. It just means you made a different choice. So question for you, what would you say are, or is maybe a common myth around homeschool mom self-care? that we don't have time for it, right? Like that's one of the things is that whenever I'm talking with a homeschool mom is, you know, what about me time? What about time for myself? What about taking, you know, because when you have kids home all the time, it's hard to find time for yourself because they're home all the time, right? And it's loud and it's chaotic. And so there's two things that have to happen here. First of all, you have to recognize that you made the choice to homeschool. So you made the choice to have the kids home all the time. So resenting the fact that there's, they're loud and they're noisy and they're there isn't going to be healthy for you. You made the choice, recognize and own that choice. If you don't like that, if, if the value of homeschooling isn't worth the opportunity cost, then you need to make a different choice. Absolutely. Um, but if you value the homeschooling and you value all the benefits that you're getting out of homeschooling and it's important to you, then recognizing the fact that the cost is that there's going to be a lot more noise, there's going to be more clutter, there's, there's going to be home more, recognizing that that's a choice you made will deal with the resentment and will take a load off. It will. It'll just... I have learned... Like it'll empower you. Yeah, I've right. learned as well that a long time ago, I thought, oh, well, you know, everybody was asking her, you can find time for yourself. And I didn't really know, but it wasn't the priority. So it didn't matter at the time. And then very quickly, it became a priority because I realized I'm kind of overwhelmed. But then so I that's the second part, right? That's the second part is that if needing time for yourself, if, well, I guess in between here is then you need to decide what does self-care actually look like for you? Some people need two hours to recharge and they need to be, have it quiet and they need to be by themselves. And that's okay. If that's what you need, that's what you need. Recognize that and then figure out how to make that work. 
you know, is that that, you know, you need to arrange a day and exchange play dates with your kids? Do you need to, you know, go into the work of arranging that time for yourself? Do you need to talk to a partner about making sure you have that time on a regular basis? Just recognize what you need and then figure out how you can get it. But not everybody needs that. I don't need two hours by myself, you know, once a week to recharge. Um, I don't need a lot of quiet time to recharge. I do need time to, you know, to do some things for myself, but it's not about finding the time to do it. It's about prioritizing, making that choice in my day, right? We all have to do lists a mile long. Mm -hmm. We all have thousands of things we could be doing every single day. And it's about choosing what you're doing with the time that you have and making sure that you put on that priority list time for you. I think if you can whatever time for yourself with as a single parent of six girls, I think most people can. Most people can. It's really about making choices about what you do with your time and owning the fact that you've made a choice. So if you haven't taken time for yourself in a year, in six years, in 10 years, recognize that that was a choice you made. You might not have realized that you had a choice here, but own the fact that that was a choice and make the changes that are necessary to make different choices. I think sometimes right? you get lost time. in that, that idea uh, or that identity as homeschool mom. We think of ourselves as, yeah, but this is what I'm doing and this is the only thing that I'm doing. So then we focus just on that, except we forget that. If that's the only thing other, you're doing, then maybe you need to other make people. some different choices. Yeah. <laughs> You have an identity outside of that identity. You do. You're not just you're not just Johnny's mom. You're not just the homeschool mom down the street. You're not everybody's babysitter. You're not the cook, the clean the maid of your house. You are a person. You're a person deserving of respect. And if nobody else like you teach people how to treat you. So if you want people to treat you differently, you have to start treating yourself that way. And if you want to make a change, you have to make a choice. Mm, that is beautiful. So what would you say that you do as a fun self-care strategy? Oddly enough, I love gardening. I do. I love plants. I'm not very good at it. <laughs> but I keep trying. I bought myself this year, I bought myself a great big, like the cubic yard bag of dirt. And I keep buying plant pots and I have a whole pile of seeds and my half the time my plants get pulled out by the two-year-olds and I just <laughs> put more dirt in and replant it and see what happens. So patient. Um, at some point, one of my girls poured out half of my seeds into a, a Ziploc bag, so I don't even know what they are. I just pick one out and say, here, we're going to try you. I don't know how old they are, so I wait a couple of weeks and if nothing sprouts, I just plant something else in there. They grow out on our deck because I don't have a whole lot of room in, in where the light is, so we have a, a possum that lives around here and every once in a while they'll get dug up, whatever. I just plan another one. The, the point is not that I'm successful at it. It's the activity, but uh, you know, I, I love gardening. I also love a really good book. I love the fact that my kids are readers. They should be. I have a personal library of over 2000 books because that's the priority for me. Um, I love books. We collect books. We have multiple bookshelves, so they're surrounded by books. They're always reading but I love the fact that my girls are starting to get old enough now that I can share some of my favorite books mm -hmm. with them. And we talk about the books, but we're not talking about analyzing plot structure and foreshadowing and stuff. We talk about how 
we loved this scene or we'll read quotes to each other and say that was remember this quote that was funny um and you know we'll laugh about inside jokes that happen on our books or one of us will start reading a new series and we're like yeah you should read this one because you'll love it you'll like this one or no you won't like that one read this one instead um you know i love that we have that my self-care is like one of the things i do for self-care is reading i love reading fiction and then being able to share it with my kids means that I'm not having to do it by like it, it's not self care that I can that I have to do by myself. It's Maybe something I can do with that. Throw in a glass of wine and <laughs> good fireplace, or you know, a bug free gazebo with the breezes. Like, yeah. It's okay. Or chocolate. Hot chocolate is awesome. I love chocolate. <laughs> so. so what what would you say on a Friday night you would typically be doing? Depends on the Friday night. I mean, I'm a single parent now. I'm divorced. So my children are spend every other weekend with their father. And so on the weekends that they're with me, it's usually a, a kid thing. We're doing a, a something. You know, we'll hop in the car and go out for ice cream. We'll cuddle up with hot chocolate and popcorn in a movie. Um, we might sit around and do a read aloud where I'm reading to everybody. It, it just is going to depend. Sometimes it's, I mean, the last six months before before everything got shut down, Friday nights was act where I was driving kids to programs. We had youth night for my teenager, and then one of my other daughters was involved in another Friday night programs. It was that. That was what we were doing. Um, so it just depends. Um, but on the Friday nights that they're not with me and I'm by myself, I'm usually working because, you know, I enjoy my job. I enjoy what I do. And so I love, you know, I want to spend more time doing it. and. When they're here, I have less time. So when they're not here, I take advantage of that time and to focus. What you can get done when they're not around, hey? That's right. There's a difference between writing for fun, though, and writing for purpose. There's a difference between, like, I love creating little graphics. I mean, you see them on my blog page all the time. I love creating these little funny graphics. I find these cute sayings, and I put together just random stuff. I love doing it. But there's a difference between doing something just for fun and doing something for a purpose. Right. And I find if I'm doing it for fun and I'm doing it for aimlessness, it's fine. It's okay. But when I'm doing it for a purpose, I get more out of it. I get more satisfaction out of it. I get more recharging out of it. I get more excitement. I think if you can create a business online and you have six girls and are single parenting, wow, hats off to you. You do. <laughs> I, Honestly, there are days I'm like, but hey. It works. Lifelong learner. You're curious. <laughs> I'm just never bored. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Someone recently told me that they're bored with the kids not being around. I'm like, I don't think I know that feeling. <laughs> People tell me all the time, oh, you must have your hands full when they see me out with just a couple of my girls. You must have your hands full. And I go, well, at least I'm not bored. They never know what to say to that. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I have six kids. There is never a moment of boredom around here. There's always something to watch. I mean, my ex and I used to joke around that once, you know, we had kids who needed to watch TV. They were more entertaining. They come up with the funniest things. They say the silliest things. And have a con if you ever want to know the meaning of life, have a conversation with a six-year-old. Yeah. Conversation with a six-year-old will just change your world. My teen knows that if she says snarky comments to me, chances are it'll end up on my Twitter feed. 
I usually ask permission about it, you know, before I post something. I'm like, that's funny. Do you mind if I, or do you mind if I post that? And if they really protest, I won't. But most of the time, my kids get a kick out of it. My kids um, officially are allowed to determine whether or not things go on Instagram or different places. So it appears that I have only one and a half children. <laughs> I have four. I post a lot of stuff on my blog, thoughts on parenting, my thoughts on how to start homeschooling tips that I've learned over the years about homeschooling in a variety of different situations. I can't really think of a situation that I haven't gone through and I've still managed to homeschool. So, so tell us where we can find you online. Well, you, my blog, my personal blog is raisingroyalty.ca and Raising Royals on Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest is Raising Royalty. I also have my business blog where I talk about working from home and how to start a business. Sarah Support, so that's X-E-R-A support.com. So I'll give tips on how to, how to plan for a business, how to sell something, how to market your business, and, and just how to manage life as a work-at-home parent. I've written a couple of ebooks that people might find helpful, like my Homeschool 101, getting everything you need to know to get started. I know it's another book on homeschooling, but mine's a little bit different because I'm not looking at going in depth. There's so many homeschooling books out there that will overwhelm you with information. Five inches thick. They're huge. Mine's a simple 10 step. These are the steps you need to do. Here's the quick info on the terms that you're going to come across. And I include printable planner sheets to get you started on how to, how to just get started with it. You can take it as a, as a takeoff to, to furthering your research after that. But this gives you just the, the quick intro guide. People ask me all the time, how do I do everything that I do? But I came up with my own planning system, and that's also on my blog. Um, there's a video that talks about what, how, how my planning system works, and then you can get my custom design planner there as well. Thank you for joining me today. That was yeah. a very engaging, very interesting conversation. I wish your family, you and your royalty, many blessings. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. I would love to hear more about who you are, so come on over to my Facebook or Instagram page, Capturing the Charmed Life. My goal is to equip you with strategies to help you turn your challenges into your charms. If you want to learn more about my course, How to Homeschool 101, or my upcoming book, Homeschool Mama Self-Care, Thrive, Not Just Survive, head over to www.capturingthecharmedlife.com. You'll also find the show notes and links to everything you've heard in this episode. I hope you and your kids have a charmed week. And until next time, I hope you can turn your challenges into your charms.